Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Kroger, we believe local produce shouldn't be hard to find. That's why we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring the fresh produce you love to our stores. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself, because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial and free Audible of your choice at audibletrial.com slash cinemagold. There are thousands of books to choose from. Welcome to the Cinema Gold Podcast with your host, Larry Lease. Come join us as Cinema Gold dives into the latest Hollywood films and news. Thanksgiving is over, and we have entered into the Christmas holiday season, Cinema Gold is going to deliver every weekday a review of a popular Christmas film. From classics to new films, we are starting out December with our review of Die Hard. While many may laugh at this, Die Hard is clearly a Christmas film. It takes place during the Christmas season, and even features a Christmas party. I know it's a bit cliche at this point, but Die Hard really is my family's ultimate Christmas movie. season hasn't truly started, or if her delay truly ended, until all of us have sat down and indulged in the seasonal spectacular. Even if you don't quite buy into the Die Hard as a Christmas movie argument, it's still impressive how tall John McTiernan's action movie stands when compared to the bulk of 80s action films. Like Nakatomi Plaza itself, it towers over the competition, and it's not because it does anything specially or novel or innovative in a genre that's always been fairly cons- conservative. Instead, I'd argue, Die Hard succeeds because it executes all the conventional action movie beats exceedingly well, and because it doesn't treat any of its plug points as necessary items on a checklist. 
It's easy enough to imagine Die Hard as a Stallone film. In this alternate world, Die Hard might have been just another of the mid-level 80s action films that were pumped out and forgotten by all but the most nostalgic of action film fans. Indeed, the ingredients seem fairly standard. We have a cop who is flying into town to see his wife and his kid, a hostage situation, a robbery, explosions, a familial grudge between our hero and the primary henchman, a British antagonist, and a fellow police officer who is dealing with his own tragic past. If they made cookbooks for producing a conventional action film, all those would be staple, you-can't-go-wrong ingredients. In a lesser script, with a lesser director and a lesser cast, they'd feel forced. Cliché plot points, you have to check off the list before you're allowed to indulge in the gunfights and the explosions and all of that stereotypically exciting action movie stuff that you suspect most of the audience have paid to see. Shrewdly, Die Hard works because it seems actually interested in each of the components in the mix. Although they are necessary for a solid action film, there's no sense of obligation. John McClane's trip to L.A. to see his family isn't just a plot device to get him to the action sequences or to make him make us care about him a little. It's actually endearing on its own terms. It's little things that make the sequence work. McClane's fear of flying, or the garish, I have no idea what to get my kids, giant te- teddy bear. In a way, these moments feel like they might belong in some cheesy family reunion and drama which lends them a strange air of sincerity that helps the film along. And then there's McLean himself. There's no way around it. McLean is an 80s macho fantasy figure. The type of American alpha male that casting directors lament doesn't exist anymore. He's boorish, he's aggressive, he's adversarial and confrontational. He smokes, he's dismissive of New Age of Ice, and the film suggests a little bit sexist. When Argyle suggests that he was waiting for his wife to fail in L.A. and crawl home, he doesn't deny it. Like I said, Argyle, you're fast. McLean's masculinity is at the core of the story. Gruber repeatedly likens him to American icons like John Wayne, referring to him as Cowboy. McLean's obvious heroism inside the tower is contrasted with various less-than-subtle parodies of 80s masculinity. There's cooked up yuppie Ellis who's condescending and belittling manner, gets himself killed and compromises McLean considerably. There's a bureaucratic posturing outside the tower with the FBI and local law enforcement jockeying for power. The Los Angeles Police Department seem to do little but stand back and watch. I hope that's not one of the hostages the commander notes as a body is thrown from the tower, while the FBI have little or no regard for human life considering the loss of 20-25% to 25% of the hostages to be acceptable. Outside the tower, the media is consumed with discussions of pop psychology nonsense like hostage, terrorist, terrorist, hostage, hostage, and cynically exploiting the situation for all it's worth. Gruber naturally manipulates all these external players for all their worth. He plays along with the textbook, expectations of the powers, characters outside the tower, right down to demanding a list of international terrorists be released. When he ad-libs off the agreed list, he knows to his henchmen, I read about them in Time Magazine. His plan hinges on the FBI following the hostage crisis playbook to the letter. Playing so firmly into his hands that he declares, U.S. for a miracle, I give you the FBI. 
In contrast, McLean's hyper-masculinity is the only thing Hans can account for or manipulate. He's the fly in the ointment. Hans, the monkey in the wrench, the pain in the butt. It is McLean's refusal to buy into any large nonsensical narrative cultivated by Hans or the media and his willingness to accept reality as it appears to him. That distinguishes him from most of the authority figures in the film. It's easy to imagine how this might have gone wrong. With a clumsier script, McLean could easily become so hyper-masculine that he'd work more as a parody of the action hero. Placing a more conventional action star in the lead role would turn the character into a shallow collection of macho cliches wrapped in a dirty white vest. It's thanks to a solid script and fantastic performance from Bruce Willis that we end up with a solid action hero. Part of the reason that the script works is because while McLean is unambiguously the hero for this situation, he's not best adapted to life in general. Other action movies might poke fun at this concept or play the classic plays-by-his-own-rules loose canon archetypes, but Die Hard is fairly unambiguous. It isn't that Holly is being unfair to John, and it isn't that nobody around him appreciates his qualities. John McLean isn't a fantastic guy to live with, and the movie is surprisingly candid on this point. She heard me say I love you a thousand times, he confesses at the height of the siege, but she never heard me say I'm sorry. It's a nice, honest moment. It's one that works because McLean acknowledges that the problems in his marriage aren't simply down to his wife's decision to abandon his surname or her refusal to acknowledge his commitments in New York. Which is a nice, handy plot. It stops Gruber recognizing her immediately in character and tells us how their relationship is going, Pete. When he flies across America only to start an argument with her, he almost immediately recognizes that it is his own fault. He can't bring himself to apologize to her, but he can recognize his destructive behavior. And another nice touch, I like the fact that he scoffs at the fist-with-your-toes idea suggested on the plane, but then actually concedes to himself that it really works. Die Hard does an ex- excellent job acknowledging that McLean's worldview isn't objective or flawless, and that makes him seem much more human than he might otherwise appear. One of the things I really like about the Die Hard films is that McLean doesn't really get a happy ending. Sure, he saves a day in each film, but there's a fairly honest concession that heroics don't magically fix everything. By the heart, by the time Die Hard with a vengeance rolls around, he's divorced and washed up again. The end of Die Hard might suggest that saving a building full of hostages has reignited his failing marriage, but I like the series concedes that waging a one-man war and saving a marriage are two very different skill sets. It's hard to imagine a time when Bruce Willis wasn't an action star, but the fact that he came from a different background is part of the appeal at Die Hard. Willis is a stronger actor than most action stars as demonstrated by versatility in roles outside the genre, and the fact that his body weight isn't disproportionately muscle mass makes him seem almost credible. Willis is fantastic here, and McLean is that perfect combination of hero and jerk, to the point where you can see that he doesn't just mess up Gruber's plane, he actually gets to him. The entire production is fantastic. The script and director, John McTiernan, do an excellent job managing to build tension in a way that knocks the action movie conventions off kilter. When they refuse to cooperate with Gruber's robbery, we expect a tense pause, a stare, a battle of wills, perhaps a beating, maybe a threat to execute another hostage if he doesn't comply. 
Instead, Gruber simply replies, okay, and shoots him through the head. It's a moment that's inevitable, but still catches us a little bit off guard, because the movie doesn't make a big deal of it. Similarly, the scene between Ellis, Gruber, and McLean works so well because McLean knows it's really tense, but Ellis thinks it isn't, even though he's playing that it is. Ellis's melodramatic overacting as he sips at his coke does an excellent job keeping us a little off balance. There's genuine suspense, and it holds up remarkably well. It works because Ellis is playing up the suspense, even though he doesn't buy into it, and Gruber's practical approach to villainy means that we know he won't run through the checklist of evil villain cliches. The decision to keep the shot off screen is a nice touch, as it means that we don't get to see it coming. Again, it's inevitable. The exact timing of it seems a little off by our own media-savvy tension timers. The direction and set pieces are absolutely superb. McTiernan does an excellent job with large and small-scale action. The combat choppers swooping through L.A. look amazing, but the pain that McLean feels after running through shattered glass also feels real. The final moment with desk jockey Sergeant Powell is an indicator of McTiernan's skill. In any other film, that resolution would seem trite and cliché. However, the director frames the shot in such a way that it seems almost epic and cathartic. Alan Rickman is absolutely superb as Gruber, who is easily one of the best cinematic villains ever created. There's just something so delightfully aloof and confident about his villainy, from his sharp suits to the fact he subscribed to and reads all manner of American periodicals. What's fantastic about Gruber as a villain, beyond Rickman's amazing performance, is the fact that he has very little delusions about what he is and what he is doing. While the outside world is keen over complicate things and make political statements and generalizations, there's never a sense that Gruber buys into it. He's just an exceptional bank robber. The fact that he recognizes this fact and the fact that he never really lets anything else cloud his personal radar is what makes the character so fantastic. He's never obsessed with John McClane beyond the threat he poses to the immediate plan. Even when the building is falling apart, and even after his henchmen are slaughtered, Gruber is very clearly more preoccupied with escaping with millions than with killing that one thorn in his side. There's a reason that Die Hard has become an action movie standard to the point where you can describe a lot of concepts as Die Hard on a... If I say Under Siege, is Die Hard on a boat, and its sequel is Die Hard on a train. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Die Hard is, I would agree, easily among one of the very best action films ever made and one that still holds up today. While the sequels might not always measure up to that, though I am very fond of the third one, I do think that Die Hard is a genuine classic. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Cinema Gold Podcast. Share your thoughts with us on Twitter at CinemaGold2. That's CinemaGold, the number two. Let us know what you think. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Or do you think it's just a regular action flick? Thank you for listening to the Cinema Gold Podcast. If you want to become a supporter, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash cinemagold. Follow us on Twitter at cinemagold2 and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cinemagoldmovies.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.